Hey, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here. My name is Tyler. I am the director of student ministries here at Edinburgh, and uh, we're just so glad that you are here. Thank you. Hey, uh, if you have, yeah, you could sit down. Yeah, don't worry about it. Here we go. Uh, if, uh, if you have kids with you, we're so glad that they're here too. We want you to feel under no pressure uh, to like worry about them or whatever. They've got crayons that they can mess with. And Although someone gave me the crayons today and they had Legos on them. Um, and I was confused because if I didn't know how to read, I'd be really confused when I opened those. But anyways, that's, that's beside the point. Uh, and if you're watching online, we're so glad you're here uh, with us, tuning in and, and things like that. Uh, really quickly, before we dive into the message, uh, just want to let you guys know, we are planning as a church to have our lake baptisms this year. And so August 9th, we will be having uh, the baptisms at Weaver Lake from 5 to 8. Uh, and so we want to invite you guys out to come out to that and bring your own chair. One of the things that we are doing differently this year is that we are having um, uh, you bring your own food. So it's kind of a bring your own picnic kind of thing. Uh, just so for safety issues and things like that, we wanted to just say, hey, bring your own food. So um, you can swing through uh, drive through on your way or you can uh, pack your own lunch or, or dinner, however you want to do it. But we just want to invite you out. Um, and if you're interested in being baptized, there is still time. Uh, if you are an adult and you want to get baptized, you can talk to Pastor Josh or Pastor Bob. If you're a student that would like to get baptized, you can talk to myself, Chris, or Kelly. Um, and if you are a uh, student or a child seven or up, you can talk to Nancy Hedberg. So I want to just encourage you guys to, to go ahead and do that. That gives you a, a couple more weeks. But we're super excited to get together, to be at the lake, uh, and to, to see there and hear the stories of what God has done, uh, even in the midst of craziness, right? So uh, with that, let's pray and let's dive into the light topic of persecution, hey? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much that you know us, that you love us. God, I pray that you would be glorified in every word that is spoken here uh, today. God, that these would be your words, not mine, because yours are always better. God, I just pray uh, that you would bless us, not in the way that the world defines blessing, but in the way that you would, as we live out with the, the calling you have for us in our life, God. May we live a blessed life. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, we're wrapping up a series uh, today called Hashtag Bless. We've been walking through the Beatitudes, uh, and it's the, the portion on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking to his disciples and talking about the characteristics of what it means to seek the kingdom of God. Right? Seeking his kingdom, not our own. And we've looked over the last seven weeks through these characteristics. And so I just want to really, really quickly recap these, uh, these Beatitudes that we've been reading. And it comes out of Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching. And he's going to his disciples. And he says this in Matthew 5. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus lays down this foundation. He lays this baseline for our faith. It's this understanding that we have, in order to live the blessed life, we have to have a need for Jesus. There's a need for God that is deep down in, in our lives. It's more than just a want. It's more than just a preference. It's a need. It's, it's, it's something that we need deep down in our very soul. There's a need for God in our life. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you have your Bibles out, underline there's the kingdom of heaven, because we're going to come back to that uh, in, in a second here. But then we go on. Jesus goes on, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When we understand that we have a need for God, it leads us to this place of repentance, of turning away from whatever it is that we were living before and turning to Jesus. 
So there's this idea that we need to mourn over our sin. To, to, when we mourn and we turn away from our old self and turn to the new life that God is calling us to. It comes from this place when we understand, man, I need God. I'm in this place where I absolutely need God. And it leads us to repentance. Repentance is an important aspect of our faith because if we don't turn from our old life, are we really living the new life? So repentance is important and mourning over our sin, turning away is important. And then it says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. So the next logical step that we take once we need God and once we mourn over our sin and once we repent is meekness. And meekness is the ability to submit ourselves to God. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength through surrender, having a humility, a humble heart, and that's how Jesus says we'll inherit the earth. And all three of these characteristics are important because there are interaction with God. There are, it's a heart status that we have with God, a place where we come to seek out these things for God in our life, and that he puts this desire in our heart, therefore, to then go and to live and to hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we get our heart right with God, he gives us new desires, new passions, new direction in life that we're moving. I think oftentimes, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but oftentimes we want to just deal with our sin problem, but we always forget to deal with our heart problem because our heart problem is the beginning of where everything comes from. When our hearts are separated from God, when we don't see our need for God, how can we ever dream of possibly dealing with our sin if we don't first begin to deal with our need for God? We have to get to this place. And so when we realize our need for God, when we repent of our sins, when we walk forward and walk in step with the Spirit in humility, then he gives us a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Remember, we talked about Jesus' righteousness, not our own. For they will be filled when we need God, when we repent, when we humble ourselves, we're given new desires for doing what is right, for loving the things that God loves. Righteousness is right living. It's living in the way that Jesus calls us to and it plays itself out and Jesus goes on blessed are those who are merciful for, the, for who are merciful for they will be shown mercy see right living a love for God it plays out in being merciful blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God it plays out in integrity it plays out in a purity of heart blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God it plays out in how we interact with other people are we shalom bringers? Are we shalom makers? Do we make peace with people even in the difficult moments? And as we live out these characteristics, as we live out this righteous living, the way the world likely responds is what our next beatitude is. And it's this, Matthew five ten: Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you see that? Jesus starts out, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes in and he ends it. Blessed are those who are persecuted because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about an identity statement here. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Who were before you. You. I want to take uh, four points out of this passage as we, we talk about this idea of persecution uh, and, and, and just dive into it, okay? And so the first point is this. If you take notes, uh, the first point is this. If we are following Jesus, okay, if we're following Jesus, we should expect persecution. 
Okay, you're sitting here going, oh, good, a feel-good message. All right. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to truly follow Jesus, we should expect persecution. As we read throughout the Bible, as I read throughout the Bible, what we see is that if we choose to follow Jesus, there will be opposition. As a matter of fact, Paul in 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If we are living for Jesus, it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when will be persecuted. So it should never come as a surprise if we're trying to follow Jesus that we will face persecution because it is promised. It's promised in scripture. Throughout history, we see persecution all over in the, in the church and people coming up against the church and we see it in physical forms. Things like death, torture, mistreatment. And if I'm completely honest, I've often wrestled with this idea of persecution growing up in America, Okay. Because in America, we're afforded several freedoms uh, when it comes to our faith. I don't believe that I, I as far as I know, maybe, uh, maybe I, I could have been, but as far as I know, I've never been in danger of my life because of my faith. And I've wrestled with that because this idea that we should be persecuted or that we're, we should expect persecution, I, I, I have this sense of like guilt that like, I don't know, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever wrestled with that or this, this idea, because this guilt, because I don't face things that other people in other countries might face. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that I'm not going to face the same necessary per, like persecution. I'm not going to be potentially killed for my faith because uh, in America, in the way that a brother or sister in Christ would be in, say, Iran. And I've wrestled with this. But I think while physical persecution and, and the danger of life is a thing, it is a real thing, um, persecution is not just the physical. There's also other aspects that I think sometimes we can relate to or might be able to, to face ourselves. Luke 6, uh, Luke 6 paints a picture of persecution that I think we can relate to in a lot of ways. This is Jesus talking uh, in Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. If we make the choice to follow Jesus, if we make a choice, a conscious choice to be a follower of Jesus, to live out the blessed life like we've been talking about, about through the Beatitudes, if we choose to follow Jesus, we might be seen as odd or different or a threat. We might be excluded or insulted, hated, rejected. But Jesus tells us that when we are, we're actually blessed. I always say this to, uh, to the students. I said, everyone has a different hard, H-A-R-D. Everyone has a different hard. And my hard might not be somebody else's hard, right? But it, it is still hard. And we face that. And we face persecution in ways. Now, in America, we might face different kinds of persecution. But I also believe that Satan actually uses that to his advantage. And he uses this idea of comfort to hold us away from following Jesus. Or the fear of our reputation, and so when we see things like, oh, we might be uh, uh, hated or excluded or insulted or rejected, I think Satan knows that those are the things that we fear as people. I, I, like just being completely honest with you, I, I like to be liked, right? Can anybody else relate to that? I, I don't like it when people hate me. I, I, I'm kind of a people pleaser. But thank goodness for Jesus because I can fight that at times. And so we, we come up against this, uh, but we should expect to be persecuted as Christians. It's, it's an expectation. We shouldn't be surprised when we face persecution. Now, 
we should expect persecution, but what does persecution look like? Why should we be persecuted? Persecution should come, this is point number two, persecution should come because of righteousness, right living, and a love for Jesus. Jesus is abundantly clear in this passage that we are blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness, for his name's sake, for right living. So this means that persecution is not failing to get what you want. I think that's an important distinction. Persecution is not failing to get what you want. We live in an imperfect world. We're always going, or we're not always going to get what we want. If you don't get that job promotion or something that you really wanted, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're being persecuted. We're, we're called to be persecuted, or we're, we're blessed when we're persecuted for righteousness and love for Jesus. That also means that persecution is not being punished for what we've done wrong. Okay, persecution is not being punished for what we've done wrong. When we do things that bring about consequences, those consequences are not persecution. They are punishment for our own actions and our own behavior, behaviors. Listen, if I'm a jerk to my wife, I'm not being persecuted. And if I have to sleep on the couch because I'm a jerk, that's not persecution. That's me being a jerk and getting what I rightly deserve to sleep on the couch. Being persecuted is not being punished for what we've done wrong. So what is it? What does right living look like? We spent the last eight weeks talking about how we're called to live, how we're called to live as Christ followers. And we looked at it just a, a few minutes ago. To live rightly is to live with a kingdom mindset. When we're persecuted for living out a poorness in spirit, a repentant heart, having humility, and these focus on emptying ourselves. And the emptying ourselves leads to a righteousness that's found in Jesus that plays itself out in mercy, plays itself out in purity, plays itself out in peacemaking. This right living is how and why we should be persecuted. You might be going, okay, that doesn't sound very fun. I don't really... I don't really agree with that, but why, why? Why does righteousness or right living or living out the Beatitudes bring such a response? Why does it bring such a response? If righteousness means living out mercy and purity and living out in peace, why would anyone be against that? Why would anyone be against that? Well, it goes back to what this whole series has kind of been about and the idea of the hashtag blessed life is where Jesus, he takes the idea of what a blessing is and he flips it upside down. Living a life for Jesus, living a righteous life is counter-cultural. It goes against our human nature. It goes against our sin nature because it's counter-cultural. So of course, we'll see it be met with opposition. We shouldn't be surprised if we see it met with opposition. As I see it, there's really two reactions. When someone sees a righteous life, there's really just two reactions that often come with it. It's persecution or that person choosing to follow Jesus. What do I mean by this? Okay, Jesus uses the imagery of light in John chapter three. He says this, John chapter three, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that, they may, that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Choosing to step into the light, 
to step into righteousness, to step into what God has called us to. Choosing to step into that is a direct threat to those who choose to stay in darkness. When we choose to go against the norm, to go countercultural, to step into the light, it is seen as a threat. And when threatened, it leads to persecution, leads to hatred, leads to slander, to look, and we look like fools to people. That's why when people see us as Christians, sometimes they say we look like fools. And listen to this, 1 Corinthians 1.18. It's not on the screen, but just listen to this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. We're faced with opposition. Because our lifestyle, our choosing to empty ourselves, our choosing to say, I am weak, but he is strong, our choosing to say, I've messed up, I've sinned. How, many, how hard is it to admit we're wrong at times, right? Choosing these things, people look at it and go, that's foolishness. That's crazy. Why would you ever do that? Why? If somebody is, is mean to you, then you enact revenge. You don't show mercy. Choosing to follow Jesus is living countercultural, and it's faced oftentimes with persecution. Because to the cross, to people who don't know Jesus, it looks like foolishness. And so I love what Jesus says when he goes on later in, in John 5, because to some it might look like foolishness, but to those being saved is the power of God. And we have the opportunity to either, when, when we live righteous life, people look at it and they're either, we're either met with persecution or Listen to this. Matthew 5, verse 13, starting starting verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled, uh, trampled underfoot. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, listen to this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, even in the face of persecution. When we live a righteous life, we have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a godly life. And when we choose to do this, when we choose to do do this, we can point people to Jesus. Will we be met with persecution? Yeah, probably But also, we are called to point people to Jesus. Let your good deeds shine out so that when people see, they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. They'll give glory to your Father in heaven. I was talking to my wife about this um, as we were working through these points, this idea of we face persecution or choosing Jesus. I think there's actually a third one. My wife is, I can't take credit for it, it's her. Um, It's apathy right? Where if we're living a righteous life, some people might lead with persecution. Some people might turn to Jesus, but also when we see righteous living, sometimes it can lead us to indifference or people to indifference. And my prayer is that when we see other people living righteous lives, even in the church, when we see that, it doesn't lead us to a place of indifference or a place of apathy, but it leads us back into the presence of God. Our lives are a reflection of Jesus. Everything that we choose to do, may it be something that leads people to Jesus. And when you see other people living righteously, living righteous lives, may you also be drawn closer into a relationship with Jesus. Point number three. 
And this one's a little hard. In the face of persecution, we're called to rejoice. In the face of persecution, we're called to rejoice. This baffles me. Jesus is talking to his followers who, might I remind you, most of them faced gruesome, horrible persecution deaths. And he looks at them and he says, when you face persecution, rejoice. Is Jesus some sort of like sadistic person that finds enjoyment in other people's pains? No, I don't think that's the case. What I think it is, is Jesus, what Jesus does know is that the reward or the payoff far outweighs the pain of the persecution and whatever else is thrown at us. This is why Jesus bared the cross because he knew what was on the other side. Jesus knows what persecution feels like. Jesus knows the things that we go through because he went through it, because he knew what was on the other side. And so he calls us to rejoice even in the midst of persecution. Why? Why should we rejoice in persecution? Because Jesus says it right here in the Beatitude, 512, because the great reward in heaven when we are persecuted for living out a life for Jesus or living the blessed life, our inheritance is found in the kingdom of God, not of this world. We're not living for this world anymore. We're not living in this kingdom, but we're living in God's kingdom. That is our new reality. That's our reality. Second Corinthians four, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we might be wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I know we can read this idea of light and momentary troubles or, or, or afflictions. We can read that and go, man, that what? Like, do you even know what I'm going through? Right? Or do you know what I'm dealing because of my faith? Listen, no one likes to be persecuted. But yet, Jesus is telling us that when we do what is right, when we do it for his sake, when we're persecuted, we're actually blessed. And that blessing is life forever with Jesus, eternal life. When we're persecuted for doing what is right, it's because we know that this world is not our home. This world is not our kingdom. And so we can live out in boldness. We're living in that reality. We can live out in the face of persecution because we're not living for our own kingdom, but we're living for God's kingdom. But it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if we should expect persecution, when we should be persecuted for doing what is right for the sake of the cross, and when we're persecuted, we rejoice. What is the inheritance? What should we do? Brings me to my fourth point. When we face persecution, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's, it's uh, mental, whatever it is, when we face persecution, when we face opposition for living a countercultural life, a life for Jesus, when we face that, not if, when we face that, because if we're living out for Jesus, we will face it, we're promised it. We need to focus on the kingdom of heaven. My prayer is that we would continue to live out these characteristics here in the Beatitudes as a body of believers, that we'd be living for the righteousness of God, that we would, do, we would be people who point people to Jesus every single day, even in the difficult moments when we face 
troubles that will focus on the kingdom of God because our inheritance, our inheritance is found in heaven. I want to read this to you. This comes from Romans chapter 8. And I think this illustrates and paints a picture of the hope that we have, the blessing that we have when we face persecution. What is the blessing? What is it? Listen to this, Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. When we walk in step with the Spirit, when we're led by God's Spirit, it says we are the children of God. That's significant. Children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We're not called to live in fear. Our reality is not in this world. And so whatever they do to us here on this world is, is pales in comparison to what we expect to move forward into heaven. And so we don't live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received has brought about your adoption to sonship. And so we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Abba, Father. This is an identity statement. This is an identity statement saying that when we walk with Jesus, when we walk in step with the Spirit, when we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are not, like, we, our citizenship is in heaven. We are adopted by our God, by our Father, and we cry out, Abba, Father. And it says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth, not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us when we're persecuted. The blessing that we have is that the kingdom of heaven is ours. That we are heirs with God, heirs with Jesus, that he welcomes us into the family. That's the blessing that we have, that our reality is not of this world. Our reality is that which is with Jesus forever and ever. That's the blessing we find when we face persecution. Do we have to like persecution? I, I don't know that we have to necessarily like persecution. Nobody's like, hey, let's go get persecuted, Right? But we can rejoice in it. We can look at it and go, man, you know what? If I'm being persecuted, it probably means I'm doing something right. If the world looks at it and goes, oh, he's doing something wrong, then that probably means that I'm doing something right for Jesus. Now, I don't ever want to be persecuted for being a jerk, okay? If I'm, if I'm mean, if I'm a, a nasty person or whatever, I, that's, that's not being persecuted, okay? That's being punished for being a jerk. I want to be persecuted for living righteously, when people look at me and they say, oh, he's just, he just is poor in spirit. I, although people won't say that because that's a Christianese word. But they look at it, man, he's so weak. He just needs, needs God. I mean, think about how many times, I think we had a, a mayor of the, a city maybe that is called religion a crutch. People look at it and say, Christianity is for the weak. I mean, they get darn right it's for the weak. I can't do it on my own. When I, I go to that place, if I think I could do it on my own, then I'm just back to square one and I'm in trouble. I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus. I want to be persecuted for those reasons, for a humility, for, for a mourning over my sin, being willing to admit that I have, I'm not perfect. 
I want to be, when I hunger and thirst for righteousness, when I want to live the way that God calls me to live, that's what I want to be persecuted for. When I show mercy, when people even don't deserve mercy, if people are going to persecute me for that, that means I'm probably doing something right. If people want to persecute me for living purely or living with integrity, that means I'm probably doing something right. If they persecute me because I'm being a peacemaker, because I'm seeking to make peace, it means I'm probably doing something right. If that is what's going to get me persecuted, that's okay because my reality is not in this world. My reality is with Christ in heaven as an heir to the throne of God. We get to live with him. And so are momentary afflictions, although as much as they stink, yes, they stink, but they're momentary. And we're not living for the momentary, for the temporal, for the now. We're living for eternity as followers of Jesus Christ. It's a moment in time, in the expanse of eternity. And so how are we going to use this moment in time to influence eternity? People are going to look And people are not going to get it. And people might persecute. But there's also going to be people that go, I want that. And then we can say, this is how you find it. It's found in Jesus Christ. That is what the church is called to. To live in such a way. To live in a righteous way so that people see and they're either going to persecute us or they're going to turn to Jesus and lives are going to be changed. That is what we're called to be as a church. So let your good deeds, let your righteous living shine out so that all men might see and give praise to your Father in heaven. Because we're not living for our own reality. We're living for our Abba Father's reality. So bring on persecution. Bring it on. Because our reality, our reality is not in this world. And some people might look and they might say, you fool. And if you're going to call me fool, put for Jesus after it. I want to finish out this series by reading the Beatitudes in entirety. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Matthew 5, chapter, or verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came with him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus takes the idea of blessing according to how the world tries to describe blessing. He flips it upside down and says, no, no, no. This is how it is. If you call yourselves a follower of Jesus, this is how we're called to live. This is from the words of Jesus. Being poor in spirit, mourning, and being meek, hunger and thirsting for righteousness, being merciful, being pure of heart, being peacemakers. And in the face of persecution, pointing people to Jesus. As we seek God's kingdom, 
as we, as followers of Jesus, as we seek first the kingdom of God. I hope these truths will fill our lives. And I wanna pray this blessing over us as a church. So I'm just gonna invite you guys to stand up. As we pray this over, may God fill us with all of these characteristics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. God, we ask that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit to live these out every single day. Not so that we can advance our kingdom, but that your will would be done and your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, in your holy name, let it be. Amen.